welcome to Dutch Wine Apprentice, the podcast. The following podcast is an integral recording of our talk show, Seller Talks. This show was broadcasted through Instagram Live on our Instagram page. For this reason, there might be references of images shown in the show and audio quality is affected. The full video recording of this show can be watched through our Instagram page in the IGTV section. This edition of Seller Talks Season 2 Episode 1 was broadcasted on Friday the 5th of February 2021. In this episode we welcome Matthias Müller from Weingut Wittmann. In the show we talk about his great German winery, their excellent wines, iconic vineyards and the Rheinhessen Appellation. Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another edition of uh, Cellar Talks and we are going to talk about uh, Weingut Wittmann today and we will have Matthias uh, Müller as our guest. So I'm going to ask Matthias to join us in a minute and for all the audience, welcome to the show. Obviously, I will be drinking a Riesling today as we're talking about Weingut Wittmann, but more about that later. So let me get Matthias in the call. Hey, hey. Matthias. Finally. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, good as well. Happy that you could make it on this Friday night. Yeah, I mean, it's always a pleasure sharing some, some interesting news about our wines and, and having people who, yeah. Do the best what you can do on, on in those times, I think. Having it fun online. That's what it is. I mean, obviously, it uh, would be nice if we do this uh, live tasting and the live interview at the winery, but that's not possible. So we're going to do it uh, online. And I think a lot of people are very curious about uh, what's happening. Uh, I see even a Marius Molitor. I don't know if it's uh, family, <laughs> but uh, at least we have some uh, some people that are very interested about uh, Wittmann. And uh, that's not strange because you're uh, quite a, a big name at the moment, uh, at the moment for the last well, what can we say? 10, 20 years uh, is coming really good together there. Yeah. In Westhofen. Yeah. Yeah, so far, yeah. Yeah. So um, for the audience, maybe we can start with a little introduction from your side. So uh, what your background is, what do you do with Wittmann? And um, then afterwards, we will go into uh, what the winery is about and uh, the vineyards. And of course, obviously the wines, because we're going to taste today as well together uh, one of your uh, premier cruises, right? Right. Lager. Good. Correct, Nierstein. From yeah, Nierstein, perfect. Um, yeah, my name is Matthias, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in charge for all the sales worldwide. I'm the sales director. Um, I'm in the, yeah, working with Wittmann for since 2013 now. So um, I, I, yeah, started there as an intern in the cellar, kind of a cellar hand. Uh, back in 2013 and uh, while I was studying enology um, and viticulture in Geisenheim University where more or less everybody else is going to to yeah, learn all about that in Germany um, and then had a couple of other uh, yeah stops in, in Burgundy and in South Africa but um, yeah I was still coming back to Wittmann and uh, to Philip and his wife Eva and um, yeah it's just a a fun team. It's great wines, and it's uh, yeah. You've you've had quite some uh, different experiences, but it keeps drawing you back all the time. 
And um, I remember when I was there in the summer and we did a tasting together. Uh, you'll, um, we talked also about it. I mean, you're in the sales role now, but you really have a wine background. So uh, obviously, um, it's not only with wine. It's a lot of times in sales. People uh, are not always really up to date on what's happening in the product level. Uh, but I can see, you see. There's the guy with the wine glass. So uh, you know how the wine's made. You know how what the status of the vineyards. And yeah. you said already you have the uh, education behind it. So uh, I think that's really a good thing to have because, uh, I mean, uh, you're living basically the product as well. Yeah. 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 And you know they had to choose somebody who can yeah just looks good so they took me that's that's <laughs> of course understandable i mean i didn't want to start with that but uh, it's good that you bring this point up so um maybe i'm gonna try but it's always a question how that works with the pictures um i'm gonna share some pictures uh, during the interview so mm -hmm. i have a map which i got from the website and we can see a little bit here, um, but I cannot zoom out here. So I'm just going to leave it here for a second. But tell us a little bit about the location of, of the winery. So before we go into the vineyards, you're in Rheinhessen. Uh, tell us a little bit about Rheinhessen in general as an appellation. Um, <clears throat> so, so we're based uh, in the southern part of Rheinhessen. So Rheinhessen in the southwestern part of Germany. And, and, and this part of Rheinhessen where we are located um, is called Vonnegau. This is the most southern part of Rheinhessen. Um, and is really well known for a yeah really yeah limestone driven soils um, kind of a really interesting terroir what we do have uh, <clears throat> down in the south of, of Rheinhessen and um, in general we have 99% of our vineyards is in this part there's only a little part which is not in the southern part of Rheinhessen and this is uh, where all the grapes from Nierstein come from which is okay. uh, north closer to Mainz and Rheinhessen is the largest wine growing area in Germany we're talking about about 25,000 um, hectares in total um, so yeah Pfalz is slightly smaller but um, yeah Rheinhessen is really diverse different different soil types we do have volcanic soils more in the yeah, eastern part closer to Nahr River uh, where Wagner Stempel for example is the other yeah. great BDP member um, and then we have Rote Hang, which is uh, where Gundeloch is, for example, and um, uh, where Nierstein is from. And then we have the more northern part between Bingen and Mainz, uh, where you do find limestone as well. So it's pretty diverse. Um, mm -hmm. And this makes Rheinhessen, I think, really interesting. Uh, I agree. Um, last summer, I spent uh, traveling going through the six. I would say biggest reasons in Germany. Rheinhessen was one of the stops, but I uh, put that together with Pfalz and Rheingau. So in uh, three days, I, I did the three uh, because, well, uh, you can do it quite central if you're in uh, Wiesbaden, for, for example. Um, and it's really interesting to see those regions close to each other, but also very different. Um, we had earlier in the show in the previous season, uh, Weingut Rabenhof, uh, who's also a VDP member and Elisabeth obviously told us also a little bit about the vineyards there and the soils and we're talking uh, Alzheim then. So it's a little bit, uh, a, a little part away from Westhofen, but not far, um, but they're near the Rotorhang, obviously, which is uh, also bringing some different soils but the limestone which you're mentioning is a key uh, i think to to well almost every vineyard that you have as you said but also to the the wines that you're making can you tell us a little bit how the limestone affects the the great wines that you are making yeah well i mean limestone is is kind of basically geologically was that all part of a 
yeah, a million years ago of more tropical area where kind of, yeah, it was a coral reef. And when the water was gone, what was left behind is those limestones. Um, <clears throat> and limestone does affect our Rieslings in a way that we do have this really salty, fresh um, crispiness in the wines, which I think all limestone wines do have from great producers. It's not only Rheinhessen, for example, as, as well in Burgundy um, too. So, um, and limestone does have really good water saving capacity. And, in, and when we're talking about cl global warming and climate change, that does have, has a positive effect um, as well on the, on the, yeah, on how the vines grow um, during the year. And um, in general, limestone, I think, is, is something super interesting. Um, and especially because there's not too many Rieslings um, and not too much limestones around in the world. So we're talking mostly yep. about organic soils and, and loamy soils and stuff like that. And for sure, on the upper layer, I mean, when you look at the picture now, <clears throat> this is um, a Kirchspiel. And um, you see those big stones, which is sandstones as well and limestone and you always have kind of like 10 15 centimeters of of loamy soils and then there's the pure limestone rocks yeah. uh, so the vines really dig really deep down in the in the yeah in the soil and it's um it's, it's something yeah quite interesting it's interesting because um obviously one of the other reasons i visited was the mosul and if you talk about riesling of course riesling and germany is the best country for riesling we don't have to argue about that but yeah. if you compare the regions it's very different i mean there's a lot of slate stone predominantly in uh, in the mosul areas which obviously works well with uh, the climate different climates that they have there it's more up north and so it has a, a function as well next to the fact that it uh, results in, in into different wines as well well but the limestone like you said it's the saltiness it's the, the kick i would say the extra kick that it gives to the wine which makes it a great wine because a lot of people that are not so familiar with riesling they probably know one sort of style or style maybe one sort of soil being used and then you're missing out a little bit on what the riesling can do because riesling is in fact a good grape that uh, really uh, gets the best out of the soil so you get this difference because the grape is uh, capable of doing that as well. Right, right. And, and especially because limestone, um, <clears throat> what limestone does as well, the pH of the soil is, is pretty interesting. Or oh, somebody wants to see the bottle for sure. Yeah, of course. We can show it. <laughs> We're going to show more later, but that's the bottle. We're going to drink it. Yeah. There you go. And not the whole <laughs> bottle maybe, but it's okay, a little bit. So the limestone soil as well has... Um, the pH of the soil and the pH of the wines is, are pretty low. So what we're always trying to do, and I guess most of you um, who are watching maybe already had a glass of, of Fitman um, so far. And for us, good acidity, lively acidity, and, and well-balanced wines is something which is super important for us yeah. and to reflect uh, where does this wine come from. And, yeah. and limestone helps us for sure, obviously, with that. Yeah. Before we go more in depth on that, because obviously the main topic is Riesling, uh, we can't get around that. But you guys make also different wines. Can you tell us a little bit about the different wines that we make, and then afterwards we go into the vineyards that we uh, that we uh, that you have. So <clears throat> the the overall um, we're doing in in total thirty hectares, um, and from those thirty hectares, we're doing about seventy seventy five percent is Riesling. So it's definitely the the main variety. We're Doing. But uh, for sure, you're not always drinking Rieslings. And, and in our team, 
um, yeah, it's it's Burgundy is something which is always fascinating. So as you see, we're we're doing as well Pinot Noir. This is the only red grape variety what we're doing, um, and then we're doing some special stuff like Silvana, which has a big tradition. Rheinhessen as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we do Scheurebe, um, mostly maybe known from Franconia. It can be most people do it more in a sweeter style, but we like it bone dry, uh, fermented in big oak casts. So you got this little more fruity exotic style plus the really bone dry um, aromatics, which is really interesting. And then, yeah, Pinot Blanc and Pinot Gris as well. Um, and, and Chardonnay. So um, these, these are yeah, the varieties, what we do. And you have the, yeah, the Pinot Blanc you mentioned, the Weiss Burgunder uh, as right. well. So, right. yeah. 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 Um, it's interesting because uh, a, a lot of, um, well, I, I wouldn't say that the, the youngest generation of winemakers, because I think it started already a little bit earlier, but really got in the rhythm of the Burgundy grapes. I mean, uh, if you look at uh, uh, other great wineries in the area, let's take, for example, uh, Kulingilo, um, they're also very uh, keen on the Burgundy uh, grapes and wines. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see because a lot of people don't think about that when they think about Germany. Obviously, Riesling is a big part of the German wine culture. But uh, uh, what, what surprised me a lot this summer is that you, there are great Chardonnays, there are great Pinots, and yeah, I think we should express that as well. So um, before we go into the, the whole, let's say, uh, well, big story around, around yeah. Riesling. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's it's for sure. I mean, when we when we look at the sales, is that definitely all the export markets when when we got a yeah, someone's asking for our, for our wines. Many people um, get Rieslings, and, and Riesling for sure is exported. Uh, a lot, and and that's why most of those um, Pinot Blanc, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir is drinking in Germany. But we still, um, yeah, we actually just got a new import in, in in China, for example, and they're they're really hitting on the Pinot Blanc and the Pinot Noir as well. Um, same story in the U.S., where where they're going crazy about our yeah Pinot Noir from from these um, estate vineyards what we have. So um, yeah, I mean you deal with. It's Riesling is really unique and outstanding, and there's except Elsass and and Austria for sure. There's not many other places where where you do Rieslings, and for sure yeah. the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir is made more or less all around the world. So that do, you, do you also think? I mean, I can ask you this because you're in charge of sales and you're in charge of export. But do you also see it rubbing off the effect of the name of Wittmann rubbing off on these other grapes uh, internationally or the other varieties? Or is that something that's on its own? So, I mean, obviously you got good press uh, over the last decades uh, or maybe longer even. You've got good scores. So maybe um, the fan base is growing. And for that, people also want to try then other things. Right. And, and for sure, we're trying to, you know, it's always a, a game between being famous and focusing on, on yeah. variety, what, what you stand for and what the, the climate conditions and the soil types you have need to fit to, to, to the soils you have in the microclimate, obviously. But for sure, we're pulling, pulling those people sometimes from Riesling to Chardonnay or Pinot Noir because um, yeah, even for those grape varieties, we're trying to be elegant and subtle and, and delicate in style. And, and um, yeah, I think that that's what the people like as well. And they know they could get a good quality for sure. Yeah. So um, the question is, how old are the Pinot Noir finds? Uh, the oldest what we got is um, beginning of the 90s. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, back then we 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 did uh, Pinot Noir and we did some Saint Laurent back in the days, um, but right now we're still doing only Pinot Noir and we just planted some new uh, clones from Burgundy three years ago now in Gundersheim, which is a Premier Cru. Um, so this is really grown on limestone rocks and this uh, is pretty interesting. So that's what we do. So we're having actually three Premier Cru wines: Nierstein, Westhofen, and Gundersheim. And in Gundersheim, we're doing a Pinot Noir and Riesling. So, uh, yeah, you can, it's, it's going to be interesting the next couple okay. of So you got some new stuff coming up as well next to right, right, the well-known right. suspects, I would say. <laughs> right. So um, uh, we already talked about the hectares. Uh, how many bottles uh, do you produce yearly on average? Yeah, on average, it's between, yeah, 250, 300,000. Okay. Yeah. Um, then we're uh, going to zoom in more on the Riesling. Um, so let's talk about the vineyards first, because, I mean, they're also important. Uh, the Cruz, it's not just about the, uh, the, the Grand and Premier Cruz, Erste Lager, uh, Grosse Lager. But can you tell us a little bit about yeah, the big names and, and what people know you guys from? Yeah, so when we when we start at the top, it's, it's definitely, I think, the most important and famous one is Morstein. Um, our Cru, and then right beside Morstein, I mean, the other picture you had with the sites on it, that might be interesting as well, because... Which one? Uh, with the different sites you showed oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, first, then a little bit easier to explain. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so in, in Westhofen, where we're located, um, there are two, actually two hills on the, on the right-hand side. So you see those four blue, blue spots and blue yeah. sides. These are the Kronkruis. So Westhofen okay. is blessed with four Kronkruis side, sites. And um, we have Aulerde and Kirschpil, which is on the right-hand side of the picture. So Aulerde um, is kind of a yeah, slightly rolling hill, more influenced by, by sandstone, yellow sandstone, loamy soils, quite a really kind of a tropical style Riesling, a little bit more heavy, more dense. Um, and then you have Kirschpil, <clears throat> which is left of Aulerde. You see a little bit Kirsch um, on the right-hand side yep. of the picture. Um, and this is kind of like an amphitheater, yeah, going around this um, around this place. And this is more steep slopes. It's um, east southeast facing, and this is uh, much more limestone, sandy limestone soils as well, and really elegant style um, riesling. And then on top you have kind of a flat plateau, and then you drive by car from Kirchspiel to Morstein and Brunnenhäusen. It's about uh, just five minutes. And this is on the other side of Westhofen, and and this hill. It's 100% south-facing, and there we have Brunnenhäuschen, which is kind of a limestone plus kind of a reddish soil, oxidized iron. Um, really interesting. Some, so this part of Brunnenhäuschen is called Absterde, um, which someone probably knows from, from, from Keller yeah, as well. From Keller. Yeah. Um, and right next to it is Aulerde, and Aulerde is pure limestone rocks, and it's by altitude a little bit higher, um, so a little bit more a kind of an elegant... Yeah, racy acidity-driven style riesling, and um, those are the. So four this one was Aulerde, right? Or yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's always hard to to do with the picture, also to give an impression about how that looks. Also, you see the hills and the slopes, uh, but Rheinhesse uh, is not uh, known for their big hills. It's more the rolling slopes, yeah. I would say. Um, and of course, if we look at some others, I might have some else to show. This one, for example, is Kirschpil. This is, is Kirschpil, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, correct. You see, I already practiced them. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Well, I didn't put any names on it, so it's. A, I just remember from the, the picture on your Instagram. You got some nice pictures there, so that makes it easier for us. And here we're looking. Kirschbill uh, as well. It's also Kirschbill. Okay, with the uh, village on the on the back. Yeah. And another one. Here. Yeah. Probably Marstein. Yeah. Top of Marstein, maybe. Yeah, so uh, a lot of famous uh, vineyards. So the Grand Cru's we talked about, but there is what I think is interesting is uh, obviously you have the Premier Cru's, Erste Lager that are also very, well, all your wines are good. But uh, if you compare it, uh, I would say, for example, uh, I reviewed and tasted uh, recently on Instagram the um, uh, Westhofen, Westhofen mm -hmm. Riesling, mm -hmm. and well, we we talked a little bit about which wine we wanted to taste, and obviously that was the first idea, which I think was a great idea. But mm -hmm. as I already reviewed it, we wanted to do something else. But I think uh, talking about the Westhofen, for example, it's it is the Erste Lager, right? Or Premier Cru, but arguably you could also say it's a Premier Cru quality. Yeah. Because so... <clears throat> if you compare it to other winemakers, this is top stuff yeah uh, well thanks yeah. yeah so so um yeah i mean westhofen the the grapes for the westhofener is in in 2019 um and and all the other years before this is always either 95 percent morstein or 100 percent morstein so we we only use the best parts of Westhofen, and for us, there's nothing more which stands for Westhofen microclimate and and soil as 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 Westhofen and as Morstein. So it's this more this this really yeah elegant, subtle, salty style and crispiness what what is typical for Westhofen. Um, so we use either a little bit of more younger vines, which are too young for us for the Concru uh, Morstein. Or there are some parts which are pretty interesting, but which is not the top, top stuff which needs to get yeah. into the and Concru. Um, and especially in 2019, for example, there's one small barrel of Brunnenhuis in Concru as well, which we declassified, which um, got into the Westhofen as well. So okay. the blend of, yeah, the best parts of, of Westhofen. And um, the idea is that because, I mean, you know, the Grand Cruise is always sometimes tough to get and, and hard to get. And we want, want to do, yeah, something which, is, uh, which shows a good aging potential. Um, and Westhofen as well is made 100% in big oak casts. Yeah. So, um, we can show those. I mean, these are for the Pinot, I think. But this, right. one's, yeah. this one's, for example. Right, for example. These right ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, uh, fun. Yeah, luckily there's just a, the left one is Riesling, yeah. Uh, and so we ferment and vinify it in those barrels. So um, we, after crushing the grapes, we're doing a little bit of skin contact. And then um, we were putting the juice in the big oak cast and then just ferment it with indigenous yeast. So we're not adding any artificial yeast or stuff like that um, because we want a pure yeah extraction of uh, yeah that's the best picture. now we see the the whole yeah, right. the, yeah, the whole treasure chamber yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah underneath yeah. underneath the stairs there's the the, the library actually okay Good. yeah so uh secret tip for the people that didn't know westhofen riesling uh premier cru Good stuff. It's uh, oh, it's always difficult to say, and maybe people disagree. But I like to provocate a little bit. But maybe a baby Morstein, 
a lot of the times. Yeah. So uh, I think uh, people are doing a good buy when they're, uh, well, obviously you, you want to try more time and, but you like you said, it's difficult because yeah, they're sold out pretty quick. Yeah. 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 Most of, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, we, we just, yeah, the demand is higher than what we can produce, and it's it's still something from nature. So you know we don't want it. Yeah, you you cannot change that. I mean, we had uh, um, previously with uh, Belondrat the same uh, discussion. I mean, they also, I mean, with their vineyards, it's very different because they have a lot of vineyards, but all very small, and mm -hmm. um, they also get the question every year because they sell out with the Belondrat Lerton. Uh, mm -hmm. Why don't you make more? And it's already for years and years, and. Yeah, uh, we talked, Jean and I talked about it and uh, his father, DJ, who, who created then the winery has also been asked many times, but it's not that easy because even if you would have additional uh, vineyards or potentially vineyards that you could cultivate, that's going to take time. It's not sure that's going to bring you the same thing. Uh, in the end, uh, the vineyards are depending on the nature, on the climate. So, uh, and then we're only talking about the grapes and the, and the vines. We're yeah. not talking about the production uh, and the seller, etc., etc. Obviously, because that is also made to a volume. Yeah, and you know, it's it's when people buy wine. I think the price quality ratio is important. And, and yeah. what we bottle, we want to have like hundred percent the best quality, and yeah. and we we rather say, yeah, let's reduce the the final blend of Morstein five hundred liters, one thousand liters less, but instead have the best quality. Yeah. Um, and this is always, it's all about the quality, nothing else. And you also already mentioned the declassifying. This is just what you guys do. I mean, yeah. some people would say, okay, we're just going to go for Brunnenhausen because, well, we can. But it's yeah. a choice that you make that you, in that case, say, okay, we're not going to do it because yeah. it's not the standard that we want. No. Right. So here on the picture, we see the harvest and we see Philip uh, also. The, the winery is, uh, is also very old. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but... It's been yeah. around for quite some centuries already. <laughs> yeah, we, we thought uh, 1663 is a quite a nice, quite nice, a nice number. <laughs> so yeah, the, the grand-grandfathers um, of Philip and Philip's um, parents um, yeah, were, were around this, this area already for quite a long time. Um, <clears throat> and and it actually was Philip's father who, what was quite typical in Rheinhessen back then, that it was kind of a, yeah, agriculture plus viticulture, um, yeah, farming style, you know, and, mm -hmm. and Philip's father decided to go 100% viticulture and as well to go for organic back yep. in the And that was, everybody was like, hey, you're... <laughs> it's, costing, the... it's costing you only a lot of work and money. Yeah, and, and nobody was experienced. So back then it was yeah. a risk as well to do it because there's now, you know, all the universities doing research about yeah, different spraying methods and, and all this stuff, but back then nobody really cared. I mean, in, back in those days, it was, yeah, I guess only Nicolas Jolie uh, mostly is doing it in, in Loire Valley. And um, when Philip, Philip's first vintage, when he got back from university to, um, to, uh, to the estate in 1990, 2000, um, in those days, uh, he, yeah, more or less, started thinking about hey why don't we do biodynamic so since 2003 we're doing biodynamic as well um, 17 years already have yeah? people yeah. Uh, pay attention because uh, i see biodynamic popping up every now and then with now with wineries now new but 70 years already certified there 
right so um yeah it it uh, at the end you know all this organic biodynamics is super super important and it just helps us to on the one hand deal better with the the global warming and stuff like that and on the other hand it just gives us the i mean you see those picture perfect grapes to produce better grapes and and yeah. as a effect it gets you better wine at the end of the day and 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 those two things organic and biodynamic helps us to to make better wine but yeah. it, you know with fast it's always we're not um you're not in there for the marketing <laughs> no no because we yeah and on the other hand we we see it more on a, as a as a quality booster for us and as well saving the environment so those two things yeah comes hand in hand good so um let's go into the uh, tasting because mm -hmm. uh, obviously um we have some other things we want to discuss but this might be a nice uh, let's say interruption for us yeah. so uh today we are tasting uh i'm trying to i have a problem that i can't get my pictures out of the screen so it might sound a bit strange but for that reason i'm not that big so you're helping me out here very good so yeah. We're tasting today the Niersteiner, uh, the Premier Cru, uh, 2018, was it? Or 19? I forgot. 19. Ah, yeah, perfect. So the fresh one. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more, uh, obviously, uh, um, first about Nierstein and then about this vintage or not the wine in general, what you... Uh... Yeah, so maybe talking a little bit about the vintage and, and 19 was... I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of 2019. 19 is just so incredible um fresh and and really kind of a classic riesling style from yeah kind of before <laughs> before uh, we got some a little bit warmer vintages like 2018 yep. and for sure you know how to deal with it but 19 we were really lucky that right before harvest we got kind of like a cool climate area mm -hmm. and and this really helps to get really cold nights and cold nose always yeah gets you a better refreshing acidity um and so 19 we're super super happy um yeah nice grapes no hail nothing else what what kind of disturbed us and and nierstein is as i said we do three premier cruise um two in 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 the westhofen so westhofen and gundersheim which is more or less close to each other next to each yeah. other and then we have nierstein which is rote hang yeah um by car it's about half an hour drive north towards frankfurt um and nierstein is something really interesting because it's not limestone it's rote hang in german so yeah. reddish soil oxidized stuff um and this is yeah it's just interesting having something different in your cellar you know when you're tasting the barrels and it's always yeah limestone 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 great stuff but then you're happy there oh wow just something from, from a, I, I get some recognition from the one that we tasted with Rappenhof. That was a Dienheim uh, uh, Ortswein. But uh, I think, I mean, with, uh, there they have uh, two or three different, they use grapes from two or three different soil types. So, uh, of course, they can mix out a little bit because it's more their area. Like you said, for you, it's uh, a little bit uh, off, the, um, off the track uh, for the compared to the rest. But uh, what do we get when we first open up this bottle because we need to give it some air right? because the first time when i poured it in the glass obviously it needs to get out a little bit yeah i mean this is still yeah still a baby so um it was bottled uh, last summer um so it's it's only half a year in the bottle more or less yeah. you need you see that it's still reductive so the wine for sure needs to open up yeah. and to aerate 
Um, and then Mierstein, is it, this is a blend of two different, so, uh, two different sites. So we have Orbel and we have um, Ölberg, so two Kronkru sites. Yep. But we decided um, that we want to keep the Kronkru's for Westhofen area. So we would be allowed to do more Kronkru's there. But we said, ah, we, we don't know. The first vintage what we did with Nierstein is 2014. So we're still, yeah, in a, in a more, more or less experienced uh, time to, to get to know the vineyards better and better. And maybe this will be one time where we're going to do a concrete, but now we, yeah, we, we stick with the Premier Group. That's an interesting story because obviously people don't get that off the label or on the yeah. website when they see it. Um, and then uh, if you compare to the, uh, well, the other ones that are more based, that are based on limestone more or less, what are the big differences in the uh, in the notes and the aromas that we're uh, getting here? So for me and Nielsen, when we're talking about the nose, it's right now it's a little bit reductive, but as well, you always have a little bit more um, kind of those really ripe apple peach um, aromatics. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit more those Yellowstone fruits, yep. uh, which are really typical of, of Roter Hang. So it's a little bit more going on, more fruit driven than 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 Westhofen, for example, um, compared to that. Um, yeah, and then on the palate, um, you got on the one hand you got the really nice refreshing acidity, and on the other hand you got this creamy touch. And this is really typical for Roterhang as well. You, you always have this slightly, uh, it's more dense than Westhofen, for example. It's a little bit yeah. more put together everything, more uh, in a good way, more hard, more more powerful. More in your face a little bit, uh, I would say. Yeah. 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 And um, where compared to, to Westhofen, for example, limestone is always a little bit more elegant, more subtle. Yeah. Uh, and Nierstein is really strong fruit-driven, good acidity, well-balanced, round. Um, and this is always, 2019 was a perfect vintage for Roterhang, it was a little bit colder. Um, because Roterhang, it's, it's um, east-facing, um, but it's red, reddish soil. And this always, it's, it's a warmer microclimate than what we have in, in, in Westhofen, for example. Yeah. So yeah. I prefer Nierstein really when it's, uh, it needs time for sure, but I prefer the color vintages because it just has a little bit more acidity and more going on on the palate. Yeah. So these wines, uh, obviously, they're made to last. Uh, the the, the all, all the Rieslings, but also the other ones, but the Rieslings particularly. I mean, uh, no problem in giving them, putting them away for decades. But uh, it, it starts giving away itself more after, let's say, five years, five to eight years, or what do you guys normally think it takes for? Uh, for this yeah. language to develop. I'm not a big, actually, yeah, when... Uh, it's a preference, year, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, for Premier Cruz, I think five to 10 years is perfect. I like, yeah. I like it if it's old, um, because it just shows much more where it's coming from. Right now, it's in a, if it's young, you can drink it as well, because now it's kind of more expressive. Yeah, um, yeah kind of like an espresso in the morning, which lights yeah. you up. Um, but then it just needs a little bit more time for sure. I think uh, I, I always give the suggestion never buy one bottle, at least yeah. buy two, or if you can a box, because yeah. then you get you get this uh, these really different levels that yeah. that the wine is capable of uh, of giving away. So in the meanwhile, um, for everybody, uh, if you have any questions, you can also drop them in the question mark uh, box, because then we get them uh, separately. Because sometimes I. Uh, and I say it a couple of times, I, I've, I just see them, don't see them in the chat. So if you have any questions, uh, oh, yeah. go ahead and drop them in the question mark box.
Somebody asked where you can get the wine. So for sure, somebody wrote in um, Gute Weine, for sure, from Germany. Yeah. And, um, in the Netherlands, um, yeah, our importer is not directly selling to private customers. But in Amsterdam, for example, it's Chabrol who's, who, who have our yeah. wine. Yeah. You guys are uh, really, really represented uh, in, in, in quite a lot of uh, countries. So um, it, that's that's a good thing. I mean, you've got good channels set up. So in, in that perspective, it's uh, and even uh, like you said, if, if you're living in Holland, it's possible to get them from Germany. It's not uh, limited to that. Um, Maybe uh, also um, we forgot to mention it at the beginning, but it's a nice thing to know because some people, uh, a lot of people maybe don't know. But if you look on the website, you find out that you have a sister. It's not a sister uh, winery, but you uh, have uh, two wineries you attend to, uh, basically. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Yeah, we, we so Philip Wittmann's wife, Eva, um, she, she runs um, yeah, her family owned estate in the Mosel, in Trittenheim, in the middle part of the Mosel. Um, and this is called Ansgar Klusserath. Um, yeah, it's called Ansgar because her father's name is Ansgar. Um, and um, where, where we do yeah, classic Mosel-style wines, dry and off-dry, but we're, we're definitely focused on dry wines. And um, the single vineyard, what we mainly do is Apotheke. Trittenheim Apotheke, I guess one of the most famous, um, for sure, compared with Wilnerson and all those guys from Prim or Fritz Haag or yeah. a couple of great, great sites. And this is in, in uh, Trittenheim, really small. We're just doing five hectares. So, uh, and there with uh, Chabrol as well in Amsterdam, for example. Yeah, because you guys can, even if you also go on the website, you have this uh, combined uh, overview as well. So people can switch yeah. easily between the two. So I always recommend them to uh, to, to go and have a look because you guys do the all the sales and the marketing. Basically, you try to cluster as well for the two wineries, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, we're trying to put that together. Yeah. Yeah. There's that one makes question. Sense regarding our importer in the US, it's uh, Lawson Brothers. Um, and you can buy yeah, online, it's, it's mostly about uh, wine.com is, is selling our stuff in the US as well. Yeah. So a um, uh, question about tasting notes, but I know and you guys are doing a good job there that you also put online on the website, um, uh, well, I would say the tasting notes, but a nice overview, including uh, uh, a review or description of the wines, right? Right, yeah, just go on our website and select Moshtein and then you can find the, the tasting and, and all the reviews for Moshtein 2018. Yeah, perfect. So um, then um, maybe, uh, well, I don't want to make it about that, but we can't get around that as well. Um, the awards, because the wines are, uh, like I said, well received already for the last, I would say, 20 years is going really, uh, really up. I mean, it has to do with, uh, uh, it started, obviously, like you said, with Philip's father that started to focus really on the on, on, on wine uh, making and wine growing and making. But then Philip took over. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened and, and how that, that changed, how it changed? Because now it's easy. People can see and see the score and they see 100 points uh, last year, which is uh, well, absolutely great. But uh, what happened there? Because quite a lot of things happened in the past decade, decades too. Yeah, I think one of the key things, what I said, is that, that biodynamics is really driving you not only yeah, in terms of, of changing stuff and not using stuff, but using new stuff like all the cow horns and cow shit and what you do. Uh, biodynamics as well helps to kind of rethink everything and questions a lot of things. 
how how does nature affect the vines the growing during the growing seasons how can we use um the moon and stuff like that to improve our quality the quality of the grapes and then the quality of the wines and um i think it's it's it has a lot to do as well with getting to know your area your vines and how to work with them yeah. in the cellar you know our winemaking is pretty boring in this way because it didn't change wanna, too much then no because we don't want to you know we're using big ocas we're using indigenous yeast and then we bottle it so yeah. we don't really like the word kind of winemaking we're not adding any stuff here and and here and you're letting the terroir speak and the grapes speak right basically. so it's it's much much more about what's happening in the vineyard and the difference is from when we're talking about our classification model as well that when we're going from from estate riesling which is kind of similar to to bourgogne blanc when we're talking about burgundy um up to grand cru It's for sure the site itself, where it is, and, and what soil type we have, but it's mainly as well about the um, about the yields. So that the yields in the Concord vineyards are much, much lower than than in the uh, estate wines, for example. Yeah. yeah. So you're really uh, selecting very strict right. on what right. which grapes make it, which doesn't. And right. that affects, obviously, like you said, the yields. But that's, uh, in the end, it, it benefits the wine in general. It, creates a big uh, a better a greater wine basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so you know those ratings it's um yeah it's a love and hate relationship yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well you might as well deal with it because you got them now so yeah uh, you, yeah i mean you can't do anything about it so no you get ratings and you didn't send any samples people just rate your wines and for sure we're, we're lucky and really happy that we got such good ratings but it's You know, it's the ratings. It's, But it's uh, not as a uh, it's not a surprise for you when it comes to um, to the vintage, right? Because we talked about 2019, yeah. and you already said, well, we saw a lot of things coming together pretty well. So, yeah. in that perspective, uh, yeah, uh, you were yeah. also thinking about this is going to be a great vintage. Uh, you don't know until the end, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, 19 for sure, is, I think, um, from the last years. But I also like, for example, 2015 mm -hmm. is, is incredibly nice as well, and, and 16 or 17 as well. And I think from all the really good producers, it's not, it's not about the quality of a vintage, it's more about a personal style you like. It's an expression so, of the year, which right. the wine and comes from. Some people and like a little bit more creamy, balanced dance, for example, and yeah. other like it... Yeah, for me personally, the more acidity a wine has, the more I love it. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, it's not really a <laughs> a popular way of seeing it. Oh, but like you said, everybody has their own uh, preference in that. But yeah. um, people can be assured that the quality always is good because uh, you're, like we said, very selective in uh, what you choose and what you uh, well, what you use and what you don't use, and you're not overgrowing basically the. The, the vineyards that you have at the moment no 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 it's it's um for example we don't use any fertilizer as well so no. um vines you need to have a well-balanced growth and that's that's super super important the humus we're using humus a lot and and this is something super super interesting for us because you need a lively lively um soil what's going on there as well and yeah uh, 
Now there is the question, obviously, what can we expect from 2020? <laughs> I mean, already tell us a little bit about where we're going, because it's not that far off. The bottling starts next month. Uh, yeah, we're, we're bottling uh, the estate wines uh, mid of March. Yeah. Normally we're doing during grow wine because it's yeah, the most relaxing time of the year, having pro yeah. wine and bottling. It's a bit Perfect. different now. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah, 2020. Um, <laughs> actually, the guy who asked the question is the export manager of Robert Weil. So, hello. Ah, <laughs> good. <laughs> the competition is tuning in here. <laughs> it's not competition. I know you guys look at it very differently. And that's what, I mean, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, what, what surprised me also in Rheinhessen, the winemakers have a good relationship among each other and the yeah. employees at the wineries, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, the VDP is so small in Rheinhessen. Yeah. Um, I know Elisabeth from Rappenhoek pretty well and and pretty good and yeah we're 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 small i mean in these we're small really club the niche where we produce wines you know and, and it's a small club yeah so he so, wants to know what 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 do you expect for 2020 2020 is is again a year i mean it's sometimes it's yeah it seems strange talking about all the vintages being great and having super vintage after yeah it's a little bit confusing sometimes um, and sometimes I'm like, mm, should I really tell it that it's great again? But actually it was. So yeah, here we are. And, and 2020 is in, in general, it's something between mm, 2018 and two, 2019 in the way the wine tastes. Mm -hmm. So um, we're doing lots of cast samples at the moment and tasting and tasting and doing the final blends. And um, 2020 is, is super elegant and it, it, um, it, it has the... Um, fruitiness of 2019 and kind of a little bit the the the, the freshness of 2019 and the, the fruitiness of 2018 so it's not as dense and concentrated at 18 mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the it's not as as yeah acidity driven as 2019 so um, i like the style because it it's more a charming in a good way so kind of yeah it goes comes to you 19 like hits you in your face like uh, like yeah. a, um, and and 2020 will be more like 2016. So it's more like this shy guy at the in the bar, you know, sitting alone. Yeah. Then you need to get in touch with him uh, <laughs> to talk to him. So this is a little bit. Funny. <laughs> but then when you open up the conversation, there's a really right. nice story coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good, good, good. So even people from Brazil, oh, very good. I mean, yeah. we, I don't know what time it is in Brazil, but uh, I'm guessing it's not uh, eight o'clock in the evening there. Um, okay, and what I always do is uh, um, I ask my previous guest, uh, do you have any question for the next guest? Or well, actually, I asked them to <laughs> give me a question for the next guest. So <laughs> last week we uh, were talking uh, with Jamit, who created a great thing called the Wine Puzzles. Mm -hmm. It's basically puzzles about wine reasons maybe you saw it i don't know yeah but, yeah, yeah. i watched it yeah yeah they're really cool so actually uh i think um for the audience because i know there's people interested there and um, the web shop or the sales go live on the 8th of february with her so then people can start getting the first wine puzzles um germany is not among the countries that she started first but we talked about it with her i talked about it with her i said she should do it so mm -hmm. she's gonna do one from germany but her question for you was if you would not be in the wine wine making business or wine selling business in your case as well what would you do because it sounds like it's really a passion for you but maybe <laughs> you could have taken a different direction there well actually before i, I studied winemaking in geisenheim i studied economics at the university of cologne 
So, um, but yeah, I, I was uh, really thinking about going into research and at a bank in Frankfurt. Um, did an internship there, but then, yeah, I don't know why, some, something hit me and I said, yeah, no, stop. You want to do something fun? <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, it was pretty close that I kind of like suited up every day and, and do something serious. And now I'm just sitting here drinking wine and talking about it. So it's just perfect. <laughs> I think I think you've got a great job. So uh, uh, I'm uh, sometimes a little bit envious about you, but uh, and then again, I can come and taste uh, at the winery in the summer, and then we do the show. So uh, I get my share of Whitman. Yeah. Uh, luckily, <laughs> I have to say. Um, next week we have a very different story. Well, it's not that different because we have uh, Domaine de la Solitude. Um, mm -hmm. My French is not as good as my German is, uh, but the uh, family Lancon. From the Ron, and they're actually uh, eight generations. So we're going in the same direction, 1620. So mm -hmm. also very old and uh, known for their Chateauneuf du Pape. Yeah, so yeah, nice. that's a very different area, uh, very different wines. We got the big boulders or the, the round stones there uh, uh, on the soils. Um, you got a nice question for uh, our guest, uh, Florent, for uh, next week about uh, maybe the region and the winery or something else um do, do, do. maybe you can you can think about it in a minute because we can also okay. ask if the audience still has some questions um if you have any questions uh that gives you some time to think uh, in this case if you have any questions uh drop them in the question mark box i didn't uh, have any new ones coming in there uh, or you can now put them in the chat because uh it's not going that fast so i can keep up with them and um, one of the questions that I still had is what is your personal favorite when it comes down to the Wittmann wines? Mm -hmm. um, it really depends on the, actually on the yeah, time of the year. Mm -hmm. So during summer, I'm, I'm drinking a lot of Riesling um, and, and for sure, like, actually I'm a big, big fan of the estate Riesling and, and the, the Riesling from Kalkstein, so between mm -hmm. the estate Riesling and the Westhofener, because this is just a great category of having a nice price quality ratio comes from the younger vines of, of the Westhofener part of the Westhofen area. Um, and this is so salty. It's, it's just goes really well with fish, with grilled fish and when you're doing barbecue. So this is actually my favorite wine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, any other, uh, if we look outside Whitman, so uh, now we could pick different regions, and different styles. Is there anything you want to complement that uh, Riesling with? Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Weingut Huber, for sure, from, from Baden. Um, mm -hmm. Good friend of mine. We were doing the internship together uh, in South Africa. <laughs> so um, we had a couple of nights in Stellenbosch where, where yeah. We don't want to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but that made a really real impression there. So, so uh, I'm a big fan of Huber when it comes to, to um, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And, and as well, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay fan. So um, I, I love those. For me, those two varieties plus Riesling is just all-time favorite. And um, for sure, if you can afford it, Burgundy, um, it's always, uh, always, always a pleasure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh. So I got another question in uh, that's related to the VDP. 
because um, you've got quite a history uh, with PDP as well, uh, Philip uh, personally, but also the winery is already mm -hmm. quite a long time uh, for a member. So what is the um, values that you take away from the VDP and, and how does the VDP uh, help you uh, in this case uh, to maybe promote the wines? Uh, or what does it add to the winery, basically? That's I mean, I, mean I, I think in, in general, the VDP as a... It's a private organization, um, and and the VDP, what the VDP does is to 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 focus on on high quality wines and high quality estates in Germany, and and the VDP is for me it's always a sign that those estates really take care about quality and mm -hmm. really care about what they're doing and and want to produce every day the best wines and for me the VDP especially for sure. The, the topic and establishing this um, classification um, about years and years and years. It's not always easy, you know, with those different members, different yeah. uh, ways of thinking about special topics, but the VDP, what they, what they did and especially establishing the GG, the Concluse um, as a, as a brand with this yeah. model and everything, this is just, it's huge. And the tasting in, in, in Wiesbaden and they did one, I mean, we, Normally, we would have done something in, in Rotterdam last year yeah. uh, with PDP, um, and they're doing one in London. And it's just, it's a, especially in the export markets and in Germany, it's just a sign of, of high quality wine. So, um, big respect for those guys working for this uh, organization every day. So, um, but it's a, always a good, it's a good friendship you have. So. Yeah, and I think it's uh, important because obviously, um, when I was in. Um, and the Mosul in the summer uh, was the first stop, Hyman Lewenstein. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked to Reinhardt and we were talking about uh, that the Riesling at one point was the, the most expensive wine mm -hmm. and uh, well, uh, well known and most sought after wine in the world. So yeah. when the Titanic went down, uh, there was still some uh, uh, hefty priced Riesling on the, on the menu there. And yeah. um, I mean, that was even before all the popularity that there is now with Burgundy wines. We talked about it. Okay, if you can afford them, nice. But uh, sometimes it really gets blown through the roof. Um, yeah. In Germany, it's a little bit of a different story. And a lot of things happened over the last 100 years, I would say. But I think, and I agree with you there, that um, it's really going upwards in a trend in terms of recognition uh, for, let's say, the product, uh, German wine in general. Uh, also Riesling, um, but not just about the Riesling. So I think that's a really a good added value because um, yeah, it's come from a long way and also the way the wines are produced, which wines, etc. But now we're talking about something really different with uh, single vineyard wines, etc. And, and the recognition behind these vineyards. Yeah, 100%. 100% agree, yeah. So we don't have uh, any questions anymore coming in now. So then we can go back to the question that I had for you. Maybe in the meanwhile, you um, were thinking about something for our family, Lanko. Yeah. What is the oldest bottle they have in their private library? That's a good question. Because if you're that old, I, I always hope people save a lot of their wines. Because yeah. I know that was uh, not always, um, uh, let's put it like that, uh, not always... Um, uh, 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 a tradition to yeah. keep wines and uh, I talked to Elizabeth about it they have quite some older ones in stock but I know a lot of the wineries just sold out and sold out didn't think about keeping one and some in their library but yeah, yeah. it's a, a really a cool thing to open up these 
really old bottles and, and, and see what happens. So we're going to write that down and then um, uh, we're going to come back on that in the next uh, episode. So there is a question. What's your favorite German beer? That's a good one. Let's break it up and go away from wine yeah. for a while. I'm actually a big, a big fan of Tegenseer. I don't know. I drink quite some German beer, but that's a new one for me. Where does it come from? Tegensee is a is a lake um, south of Munich. Yeah. Um, it's run by monks, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, like most of those, yeah, guys down in Bavaria, and yep. it's called Tegensee Hell. Okay. Well, and sounds interesting. Let's. Uh, I should try next time when I can get one. Yeah. And excellent. Uh, we're getting the remarks here as well. Um, so good choice. Then uh, question is: um, With the increase of artisan beers, does this influence the smaller vineyard? Let's really dive into that because now we're talking about beer. Uh, it's a thing, artisan beer. Yeah. Well, in you know, in Germany, I think as far as I know, the the law of how to make beer is much more strict than in other countries. Mm -hmm. So like um, the crazy Belgians with their cherry, whatever. Yeah. Here's what they cherry, have. not beer, but cherry was ch cherry flavored. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I like more the classic style and I'm a big fan of Kölsch as well. Um, so in the city of Cologne, I mean, I studied there, so it's, <laughs> um, it, so I you're mean, not afraid, you're not afraid of the uprise, especially not in Germany, but of the uprise of artisan beer for, uh, oh, compared no. to, uh, I think, you know, it's, same. I mean, it all really, really depends on, I don't know, what are you eating? I mean, yep. some dishes work, I think, much better with beer than with wine. I agree. Oh. Um, it's, it, it's, you know, hot summer, 40 degrees. Sometimes, yeah, I, I love beer. And especially during harvest time, we're drinking, yeah, tons of beer. Okay. Another question is, um, uh, the increase in quality in relation to the global warming. Well, this topic always comes back, uh, global warming, especially when I talk to uh, German winemakers, um, especially in the cold Germany. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I know you guys, this is a topic that you're really looking into. So it's a good one. And I'm happy that, we still, uh, that we're still going to discuss this, the climate uh, effect. Yeah, for us, to be honest, we're still, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, hard to say, but we're still benefiting from global warming. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's, yeah, 20 years ago when you speak with Mr. Wittmann, um, Philip's father, uh, in the 60s and 70s, when you listen to those guys, what was going on in Germany, it was It was like, hard to get a good harvest. Right, from 10 vintages, there were like three, maximum four vintages, where you got really fully ripe grapes. Um, unbelievable. So that had an effect that many of those guys made more sweet wines, because then the acidity is not burning your stomach. Yeah. Uh, so it masks, uh, it masks uh... right and and uh, makes it just more 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 balanced at the end and we're now really happy that we have every year fully ripe grapes but for sure we're afraid and for sure um we uh, especially in warm vintages like 2018 for example we we're really lucky that we just got a new vineyard which was on top of the hill where it was slightly colder than in the middle and down in the hill in the valley so um, for us, it's not a question of planting different um, varieties. It's mm -hmm. more a question of maybe those sides, because in Germany and all in the Northern Hemisphere, the top sides are always south facing. Yeah. But maybe we have to rethink all of that and maybe the north facing sides are better yeah. now because they're colder. And um, for sure, the soil has to, to work with it and it needs to be interesting soil. But um, we, you really we, need to plan and think ahead. 
more yeah. than than I mean that was always the case, but now even more than in the past. And I know that you guys um, are always in, uh, on on the look for new uh, sites or maybe, and it doesn't need to be far far away. Like you said, it can be uh, close, but if you look at different facing directions, for instance. So yeah. um, that's a topic that you guys are always working on, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean this because we're we're not planning on planting. <laughs> Cabernet Sauvignon or Merlot or stuff like that. I mean, it would work at the moment, you know, when you look at the sunshine days and all these, yeah, data you have about weather and stuff, I mean, those grapes would work in Germany and they, they do work. I mean, they're great blends like, like Bordeaux blends are, are made in Pfalz area, for example, from Rings, Das Kreuz, the top yeah. blend. Bordeaux blend is, is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but for us, it's more about looking for, for vineyards which are colder um because i think there's that there's not really a market for mellow from reyes and so we stick to risking and try to make our best and it's still you know you're experiencing a lot so it's not always about the first thing what pops into your mind is just like harvest earlier then yeah. the levels are not getting that high but yeah it needs to be in balance you know it doesn't matter it, you don't really get anything if you have a racy acidity but unripe grapes who taste yeah. like I don't know any vegetable it needs to complement and that's right. what makes Riesling so great that it can it's a grape that can do this these both sides but if, if yeah. you have not enough of one or the two then it also doesn't come across then you you lose basically right. a lot of uh, potential a, an interesting question um it's also a difficult one because i think it's a personal more personal preference but um i don't know anything about german wines what would you recommend to start discovering so talking about whitman now for a second uh yeah i mean start with riesling start with dry style rieslings and then um and don't forget the burgundy like Pinot Blanc and Chardonnay and, and Pinot Noir. And um, I would recommend going from, from, I don't know, doing like a south to north tour for the different wine areas in Germany. Yeah. For I think it's a great advice, but I also think that uh, talking about Chardonnay, for example, which is not uh, something that people think about when they think about Germany, but uh, like we said, it's really improving and a lot of uh, good Chardonnay is coming from there now. But I think Chardonnay would also be, German Chardonnay would also be a good choice. And why is because if you compare it to Chardonnays from other countries, it's not that uh, uh, expressive fat and, and, and over woody and, and yeah. that. I think is a good thing because you really get uh, also the soil influences there uh, and there are some good soils uh, suitable yeah. for that. Yeah, I mean Chardonnay is a big hit and even in, uh, yeah, in our domestic market. So, so Chardonnay um, made in oak but well made in oak is yeah. a big, big hit and, and everybody's going crazy about good Chardonnays and um, yeah. It's it's interesting because I personally am not really a fan, but then when this summer, when obviously you go to taste and a lot of the, the winemakers, they have also a Chardonnay, you also taste the Chardonnay. It changed my perspective quite a lot because like I said, I'm not a big fan of the oak uh, used a lot in Chardonnay and with yeah, Germany yeah. that doesn't help happen that much. So it's a different style, but for a lot of people, it might be a nice try. Right. hundred percent. hundred percent. So let's see if we have another question, but I think we're getting through it right now. Uh, oh, this is an interesting one. Um, when people say um, make better wines than Keller, 
how does that make you feel? I mean, uh, we talked about competition, but um, yeah, okay. This, Keller, for the people that don't know, I mean, uh, this is, uh, if we talk about uh, the top uh, wineries in Germany, they're certainly there, uh, along with Mann, I think, but very different. But you are in the same arena, because the vineyards... Right. We have, we have sometimes the vineyards are just close next to each other, so... Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's, for me, this is not about any competition. It's, mm -hmm. it's about how can we bring back Germany and especially Rheinhessen back on mm -hmm. the map for all the wine connoisseurs around the world. And especially when you look at Rheinhessen, which used to be more famous for potatoes than for wine 30 years ago, um, we, we had... You come from a long way. <laughs> right. We had to work really, really hard to get there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm personally super happy about every great wine which comes from Rheinhessen. And because everybody is so small, you know, it's, it's not a competition. Yeah. We have to, yeah, we have to, to allocate our, our Premier Cru and Grand Cru wines. And uh, it was a long way to get there. But at the end, we're happy. And, and I personally love the wines from Keller. It's, it's an outstanding quality. It's a different style, what a different Riesling style, what he does than we do. So um. I think you're making a fair point. I mean, it's come to a point that, and Family Keller cannot do anything about that, I think. But it's come to a point that if you want to get your hands on a bottle of Keller, well, you need to sell an arm and a leg and be very lucky. <laughs> and uh, it's also difficult with your, uh, especially with the Grand Cruz. But um, in the end, um, people can experience a certain. Uh, area and certain vineyards in different ways, obviously. And like you said, there is some great producers in this area, also in Rheinhessen. And if you just look around a little bit, you, yeah, you can get this experience, even if you can't get this one bottle that everybody wants, basically, because also they have the problem that they can't make more than they do at the moment. Right, right. And that's, so it's, it's not against, it's nothing like, um, yeah, against uh, there's no competition between uh, Keller and us it's it's a friendly it's a good friendship we Philip and, and Klaus Peter Keller know each other for quite a long time they I think they're even the same age mm -hmm. Philip is slightly younger I guess maybe I don't know um so oh, it's it's perfect it's a it's a good friendship all, all good and uh, building on the question uh, which one uh, when would you st recommend to start with there's also the follow-up uh, why not the classic Elzac uh, wine I mean uh, for the people that are not that familiar with the difference between Elzac Riesling and, and German Riesling yeah I mean there are really great producers in, in Alsace and um, sometimes it's not 100% my style um, but it's it's I mean it's a little bit warmer mm -hmm. Um, yeah. when we're talking about the microclimate from Rheinhessen to Alsace, I guess. Um, but there's a lot of great producers, um, Leon Bayer and um, all those all those guys, great great winemakers as well. It's it's mostly it's a little bit more oxidized style. Yeah. Um, we're pretty reductive and 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 really sharp and straight ahead in in our way of of thinking the wines and making the wines. Um, and more racy acidity than, than sometimes maybe uh, Alsatian Riesling have. They are a little bit more open and more fruit-driven um, than what we have, I guess. Okay. The last question, because we're already past the hour, which yeah. uh, I don't mind, but maybe you want to go home at some point. Um, I'm home anyway, why... so it's all right. <laughs> Sorry? 
I'm home anyway, so. Oh, that's good. I mean, then I can take the bottle that I have <laughs> and pour myself a little bit more because actually my glass was running out. But um, the question that we got, and we talked a little bit about this topic as well, um, the name of Riesling in the world. Why do you think it still has this, um, for a lot of people, scares people still a little bit, the uh, Riesling. I think it's a misconception, but can you maybe explain why? it is with people that they think about that i i really guess that that in the 70s and 80s um and even in the 90s uh, a lot of really really big producers messed up the the image of of riesling worldwide mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about black tower and blue nun and all those shitty stuff um which made by which is made by by big big companies for super low low prices and um, people don't reckon didn't really recognize Riesling as a interesting high quality grape variety for many people outside of, of Germany and maybe outside of, of Europe as well Riesling is just like yeah cheap and sweet um, and and now people are getting for sure they're still I think sometimes they're anxious about the acidity um, but you know when you when you show them sometimes the the yeah, the data of how much acidity our Rieslings have and how much acidity their champagne has, what they're drinking uh, <laughs> time to time. They're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, because they <laughs> have much more acidity and lower pH is what, what we have in our Riesling. So, yeah, people need and to it drink balances, it. And, and this is a great thing. We talked about it. It balances out real, well in the Riesling. So, because yeah. there is the acidity, but uh, it, it, it finds its way and it's not uh, uh, never really, uh, let's say, irritating yeah. in that yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. I think um, oh, there was one question about uh, the aging potential. Well, well uh, I think we talked about it, but aging potential, I mean, we can, we're talking about decades here, but um, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know what the, obviously the, the history is very long for the winery and we talk about the oldest wine uh, for our next guest, but with you guys, obviously it's a different story because a lot of things happened over the past two decades as well but um what do you open every now and then or maybe you get an occasion to open something old or older and what would that be and how that do you think that develops for me the the wines make a kind of uh riesling always has this it's the first one our reason we're talking about our rieslings is mm -hmm. that you do have those yeah first half year year where you still got this fruity fresh aromatics what we have now with the Niersteiner yep. and then they're kind of closing um, and and not showing too much fruit and it's really you need to aer aerate them quite, for quite a long time but then after three years they're opening up and, and what they got when they're young is kind of like this yeah baby like um, aromatics so a little bit more 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 heavy style and the older yeah. they get the more um, mineral driven are they so the older they get it's much more about limestone and saltiness and they're losing the fruitiness it's like you know in, yeah when you're going out and using perfume and um, the next day the perfume's gone away and you see the real guy behind the yeah. behind the, the all the makeup and stuff and that that is kind of the same thing what happens to 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 our riesling so after five six seven eight ten years it's getting more and more sharp more 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 balanced and for sure rieslings get this 
um, a little bit more nutty aromatics um, when it's getting older. Um, but I like it. Um, and I think, you know, when the, the, the yields are so low, you're taking so much care about the quality, you want the vines, the wines to age. And, and um, yeah, so I think 10, 20 years is just perfect. I agree, totally. So thank you. With that, we're uh, over time questions stopped so uh, if we wait a little bit longer new questions will come but let's uh, leave it to this uh, matthias um it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, i hope uh, i can come back uh, the summer in the summer again depending on corona but well uh, let's hope that it all gets better soon yeah you're, you're always welcome everybody shoot us an email and um when all those crazy covid 19 times over um you're more than welcome uh, to to come to the estate and visit us and taste our wines. So uh, and I can test I can testify you get a great tasting. I don't I'm not <laughs> sure if it's gonna be with you, but I mean if they get you, then they're lucky because that was a, a great tasting. So thank you very much for your time again. Have a nice evening and you too. Um, good luck with uh, uh, releasing uh, 2020. Yeah, thank you very much and okay. uh, for for watching. See you soon. Okay, bye -bye. thank you. Bye bye. So for everybody, um, uh, next week we're going to talk about uh, the Rhone and uh, we're going to talk about Chateau Neuf du Pape. So a very different uh, topic, obviously. Uh, we're going into the red wines, uh, family, uh, Familia Lacan, and uh, then it's going to be a nice, great show again. Um, stay tuned. Watch on the website. We're releasing, uh, we've just released the next uh, episodes for this new season so uh, if you have any suggestions or questions always feel free to drop them in so thank you very much have a nice evening and i'm gonna enjoy this uh, nice glass and bottle of Nierstein Riesling thank you for listening to this podcast be sure to visit us on instagram at dutch underscore wine underscore apprentice and check out our website www.dutchwineapprentice.com for the latest news and content. You can also subscribe to our newsletter through the contact section of our website.